The Money Show. Shapeshifters. And the shapeshifter that is uh, in our sights this evening, that's probably a more polite way of doing it, is Warren Hickenbotham. He's the founder of Excess Health, joining us now via Zoom. Warren, very good evening. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Africa, for having me here. I will check. What is actual correct pronunciation of your surname? So I, I was told earlier today that uh, someone got it wrong earlier on in promoting the segment, but you've just got it perfect at Hickenbotham. Oh, did I? <laughs> okay, that's good that it wasn't me who got it wrong because I've been consistent <laughs> since four o'clock uh, in, uh, in promoting it. Um, perhaps let's start off by understanding what Access Health Africa is. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful service. So Access Health, uh, I suppose, is is a culmination of many years of progression through the the medical sector. Um, And what we've realized over the years is that at the end of the day, there's not enough there's not enough HCPs, healthcare professionals, to cater to the patient demand across the continent. So what Access Health is, is a platform that supports these HCPs um, through, through educational content, through real-time news on, on the industry happenings and whatever's going on, um, on, on the medical business, um, you know, how to run a practice and various things like that, um, through to CME content, which is, which is compulsory for doctors and HCPs to do uh, on an annual basis, their medical points, um, and, and into the tech side of it. So digital, digital triage tools, dosage calculators, and, and integrated third-party platforms. So overall, there's a number of pillars to, to access health, but the, the net goal is to support HCPs so that they can, they can provide um, a better level of care, more appropriate care to, to more people. That's what we're trying to achieve. And of course, all of this happening in real time. So you could find a healthcare professional sitting um, in a village in Ghana, for example, uh, presented with a case perhaps they're not as familiar with or specialized enough in connecting with a healthcare professional in Cape Town, in I don't know where else they could be uh, giving some advice to that healthcare professional. That's exactly it. Um, the the issue we have with the, the the deficit between patient demand and HCP supply is that not only is it is it a big problem at the moment, but it's getting worse. Um, but Africa, as a as a continent, has the intellectual resource needed um, to provide this care, and it's not only here on the continent. Some some of the African HCPs have left for abroad. So to your point, uh, you could have a cardiologist. In fact, there's one that we were dealing with that recently last year went to Washington D.C. Um, and he will be a part of Access Health and and still offer his opinions and services where needed um, to to wherever it's needed. So you know that's a, a Kenyan. He's a Kenyan cardiologist. He's in Washington. He could be speaking to um, someone in the Northern Cape, for example, around a case. And 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 it's about pooling that resource and connecting the HCPs to get the job done. Let me ask this as a slightly complicated question. We know that healthcare is often quite unique to particular regions, often communities, and someone even argue to either that street or that household. So there'll be a whole lot of uh, particular and nuanced things that may or may not help in the certainly diagnosis and therefore approach to dealing with whatever the ailment might be. Does the application have room for that um i'm asking the question in a clumsy way but i think you know what i mean 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, there, there is, a, however, a, a commonality um, across the continent. What we're seeing is, is a, uh, the the point of care is is at primary care level, which is is where it's all taking place, and that is that is between a field worker out in the rural areas. It's a nurse, it's a pharmacist, it's a GP. That's where most of the care is taking place, and and at that level, there there's a cer- there's a certain level of conformity across the space. There are nuances, as you correctly point out. Um, and that's why we partner with the local ministries of health to to you know assess those those nuances and to ensure that we are catering for those nuances. And an example would be language. Um, obviously, there's a lot of Africa that's French, so we need to we need to cater to those type of things. But we work closely with our partners in country to to achieve that and understand it. It is a free service. So how do you make money? Um, we make money from industry. So that that's the the starting premise always is that the HCP will never pay for anything in Access Health. We will give them all of the content, all of the, the solutions, access to the platforms. It won't cost, a, won't cost them a cent. Um, and we make our money through, through the industry. So anyone who's targeting hospitals, for example, so medical equipment and device companies, um, anyone who, who wants to get their products, uh, their pharmaceutical products in front of a doctor uh, for prescription purposes would use us as a communication channel to do that. Um, there's various data points that we're going to be collecting within the system. So there's a big data side of the business, um, understanding doctor sentiment on the ground. What are they reading? What are they searching for? What are the topics of conversation taking place within the system? We obviously can't see the conversations themselves. Uh, that's highly encrypted, but we do see the topic. And all of this information is packaged and provided back to um, our, our partners. So the governments get that free of charge. But then industry, a pharmaceutical company, um, Siemens, for example, they would pay to access that data. Um, so there are multiple revenue streams that will make us um, not only self-sustaining in the in the medium term, but ultimately a profitable business. We are commercially minded with a, with an impact goal. And what sort of numbers are you dealing with now? Not not revenue numbers, but uh, users of the um, of the platform. So the platform has just been completed. Access Health just been completed in December. Um, so we're busy ironing out the final bugs um, in the development. So we're pretty much done to start onboarding um, first test users as of next week. But for the past five years, we've run a, a beta platform called MedBrief Africa, which, which in a in a phrase is a News24 app and web platform for the doctors. And through that platform, we've got uh, just over 6,500 users already active in the platform. Um, we launched into Namibia to test uh, cross-border, um, and we've got uh, 60% of the HCPs in that market on our Namibian platform. So we have existing users that we will be migrating into Access Health to Kickstart. Um, once we've done that, we you know push go on our marketing, and, and we're going to we're going cross-continent. So from day one, from next month, it'll be available to to field workers in the remotest areas, to to cardiologists in Nairobi, and and so forth. Uh- it all sounds amazing and wonderful, and I'm sure it's going to be a great success. It's certainly a service, a product that is uh, needed on this African continent. But Warren, it's not always been this rosy, isn't it? I mean, at some point, you had made the great move to the United States where your job was selling four days of golf, conferencing, and one-on-one meeting packages to the top executives of the Fortune 500, which in itself is a good business, until you have the fateful 9-11, of course, uh, attack in America. Yeah, so that's an interesting story. I was I was sitting in London um, at the office of the company that I was going to work for in the US, a company called Marcus Evans, um, specializing in business summits. And as I was sitting with the contract in front of me to sign it, I was watching on the on the TV the planes the planes hitting the the World Trade Center, and I was due to fly the next week to the US. So obviously I was unable to do that. I returned home 
um, for a few weeks until flights were lifted and I landed back in, in the States in Chicago on the 9th of October. So a month after <laughs> September 11th, trying to sell top companies um, on the concept of putting their four top executives on a plane cross country was, was very difficult, but that's where I cut my teeth on, on, on sales. Um, and um, yeah, valuable experience. Didn't last long. I was there for a year and then returned home. And what did you do when you returned to South Africa? Got immediately into into um, publishing, print publishing in the business to business space. So that's why the the medical communications content space is is easy for me to understand. Um, we were in the retail space with those printed magazines, um, and again, we were we were selling advertising to Tiger Brands, Unilever, what have you. Um, and then in 2011, we we got approached by the South African Oncology Consortium, and that's where the medical journey started. Um, we launched our first magazine, digital magazine, um, Oncology News, in August of 2011. Um, over the four years post that, we 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 launched a further 30 titles. So we had 31 monthly digital titles, each going to a different uh, medical therapeutic area. Um, fast forward to 2016, and we saw that globally news consumption had, had moved to mobile devices. Um, the consumption behavior pattern had changed. People weren't sitting down in their office reading a magazine for an hour. They were consuming it in bite-sized chunks on their phones in a mobile mobile environment, and they were, in, they were expecting it in real time. So that's when we saw that we needed to get out of the magazine world um, and get into the platform world with the with the launch of Medbrief Africa, the, the app and web platform I explained earlier. Where you had downloads in the first two months of, what, two and a half thousand, Cindy, a lot more successful than you guys had anticipated. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I can put that down to to two things. I think it was the right time. We were fortunate enough to to take the gap at the right time. Um, and secondly, our model um, around partnering. We partner with medical associations. We partner with ministries of health. We partner with pharmaceutical distribution companies, anyone who can give us access to wider markets. And, and it was that those partnerships and that model that accelerated the early growth. So the partners marketed our platform on launch on our behalf to their member bases. So that came with a level of credibility despite us being new. And for that reason, the uptake was fairly swift. And we've duplicated that now with Access Health. So we're expecting a, a similar result. And I imagine we'll see this uh, duplicated with Access Health as well. What was key with Medbrief Africa was to teach the market, for lack of a better word, that, that if you have a limited number of, I don't know, surgeons or um, dermatologists or whatever the case may be, that you have 120 of those who will be using or at least considering using your product. So advertisers were having to think about the quality of the person who's using the platform as opposed to the quantity um, that uh, often uh, media buyers worry themselves about. Absolutely. And that's that's a, a very good point, Africa, in terms of B2B marketing. Consumer space, the large numbers are what attracts the the media purchases and, and the spend, you know, billboard and, and radio, for example. It's all about your listenership and your numbers. Whereas B2B, it's not about the number of, of people or listeners or readers or users or call them what you will that you're reaching. It's about the influence they have with your product. So when you're in the retail business to business and you're tiger brands and you're advertising jungle oats to pick and pay, it's not about how many pick and pay buyers you're reaching. It's about how many boxes you're going to sell in their stores. Um, and it's the same in the medical side. It's about how many scripts um, could a cardiology uh, product or a hypertension product um, land up on by reaching a core group of cardiologists. There are only you know, a few hundred of them, but that translates into very big business. And that, that's a, a critical understanding that the medical industry 
got fairly quickly. The retail industry that I used to be in um, battled with it for some time, but the medical guys uh, seem to understand that quite well. Uh, does Medbrief still exist? I know you had moved into Namibia and Kenya at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Medbrief still exists. We do have uh, the Kenyan platform. We 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 don't have any more. We we proved that we could get users and, and we could attract advertisers. And then we, we took the foot of the accelerator with that. But the Namibian platform, Medbrief Namibia, um, and Medbrief Africa, the South African platform are still in existence, and they will run uh, concurrently with Access Health until such a stage as we have migrated uh, uh, enough of a critical mass of the users across, where we'll be switching across to full-time Access Health, a singular platform, obviously available for everyone. And the, you know, the users, the doctors, the HCPs in Access Health will register where they are. They'll register what they are. I'm a pediatrician, and they'll register what their other interests are. You know, I have an interest in pain or psychiatry or cardiology, whatever the case may be, and They'll be served appropriate content, appropriate advertising, appropriate everything based on that that registration criteria. But to your question, Medbrief is still around, not going anywhere. That's where our, our money is being made currently, and, and that's what pays the bills. Uh, but we will, you know, we the progress is to aim to switch across to Access Health as soon as we can. And how big is your operation, both Medbrief and Access Health? We're a small team. Uh, we're 10 people. Um, we have a small sales team. We have a dedicated content team. It's probably the biggest portion of our business. Content is king within digital media, as we all know. Um, and uh, and we've got some of the best. Uh, and I'm going to mention them by name. We have Chris Bateman, Roy Watson, and Mariki van der Berg um, heading up our, our content team. And if anyone listening has been in medicine for, for any time, I'm sure they'll know, if not, if not all of them, at least one of them. So, um, a small, lean, dedicated team, and obviously we'll be building that out with Access Health to cater for the increased demand of the various products we're going to be getting into. And if you were to be given a basic test on matters, I don't know, healthcare professional or medical, would you, would you, I don't know, think that you could do well enough? Not enough to operate on somebody, of course not, <laughs> but I imagine you've come <laughs> across so much content uh, in, in the time uh, that you probably... You know, you're better than Google on some topics, I imagine. I uh, I read long long ago in Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki that you surround yourself with people who know more than you in specific areas, and you just need to know a little bit about a lot. So that's me. Um, no, your, the answer to your question is I certainly couldn't pass any medical exam, but I do know a lot about the business of medicine. I do know a lot about how the how the industry works um, personally, and and that's really where my my forte comes in. On the medical side, that we leave to the experts and the content people that I mentioned before, <laughs> and rightfully so. Uh, we we have many, many challenges in South Africa and certainly true for the rest of Africa. Uh, it comes to issues of infrastructure, I suppose, and access. It's a, a constitutional right for all of us to have access to adequate health care. And we know, and I'm not sure what the latest numbers are, but something like only 20% of the population of South Africa, um, you know, takes up 80% of the expense of healthcare in South Africa and then obviously the other way around where where 20% of the money that is spent in the sector is actually spent on 80% which make up the vast majority of South Africans who are generally poor significant portion of which lives below uh, the poverty line they often live in peri-urban areas or in rural areas that are very difficult to access, where if you have a nurse, you are lucky enough um, as far as healthcare is concerned, never mind a doctor or a specialist doctor uh, for that matter. This, for me, Sydney Access Health Africa seems to be an essential solution to some of the objectives that uh, our health minister has in uh, South African context. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've quoted some very important stats there, and that's you know we're we're in a situation in South Africa where we are actually better than most of the other countries around. Um, so those stats get worse, you know, the further north you go, and that just you know if we take the continent as a whole is is obviously a glaring issue. Um, we very specifically, I mentioned earlier, we we engage with with the ministries of health, um, we engage with the medical associations, and. The fact that it is such a necessity means that those conversations are very easy to have. Uh, it's, it's, I've been in many hard sales environments in my life, as I mentioned earlier in the US, but this is one of the easiest environments because it just makes so much sense what we're doing and everyone is is really open arms and, and, and welcomes us and wants us to be a part of whatever their initiatives are and, and add value to the overall thing. And it's only, this is probably the key thing, and it's also you know, one of the fundamental uh, pillars of Access Health, is it's only through collaboration. Whether it's uh, public-private collaborations, whatever the case may be, we have to work together to to solve the issue. It's the only way. So what's next? I mean, let's be clear, Access Health Africa probably has a few more years before you are 100% happy with uh, both the product offering and obviously the revenue that you're generating from it. But you strike me as a person who, once that is working, you're going to want to dream up the next project, the next challenge to tackle. Um, yeah, that is that is kind of how I am. But having said that, um, Access Health is so dynamic. Um, and the road ahead, um, I mean, I, I've been busy working on our product roadmap and trying to prioritize the features and products we're going to be bringing online, and, it, and it's pages long. Um, not only is the product roadmap uh, long and, and exciting, um, but the countries that we need to pred- uh, penetrate are many. We've got nine priority markets that we're targeting this year, um, the larger healthcare markets, the Ghana's, Nigeria's, Kenya's, South Africa's, etc., um, and then a further 16 thereafter. So Access Health is going to keep me and the team uh, very, very busy um, for for the next for the next five to six years. So those ideas often come to me. I mean, at weird times, I will tackle them when we come when they do come. Um, but Africa, Access Health is is very exciting enough for for this point. I can imagine you and your friends pay, playing uh, paddle, whatever the you know the craze <laughs> is with the new sporting um, sort of fad at the moment, which apparently is very good. I haven't played it yet, but I'm told it's lovely. And there you are about to hit your ball and then you go, oh, there's an idea. And then leaving the court in order to write that down and then coming back to complete the game. Uh, has anything like that ever happened to you? No, that's exactly it. Uh, for me, it's not paddle; it's it's mountain biking and fly fishing, um, and specifically fly fishing because mountain biking you're thinking about the pain too much. Uh, but fly fishing, that's thinking time. And uh, I actually carry a, a little notepad in my in my my jacket with all my tackles, so that when they do come, you write them down. Because also, I'm I'm 44; I don't remember everything. So <laughs> that's true. Well, keep on thinking and keep those uh, notepads close to your pocket and a pen alongside it, and keep writing down those ideas because uh, yours is a wonderful gift and an important responsibility in uh, delivering healthcare to all of Africa. It's an essential. Um, human right and for far too many of us on this continent it is not a reality so I'm so so happy to have met you be it virtually and to have had this conversation thank you very much for being our shapeshifter today thank you very much I I really am honored to have been a part of the show thanks again Warren Higginbotham the founder of Excess Health